I thought that I was doing what I was supposed to do and it did not render the results that I thought it was going to render. I'm either going to do this or I'm going to sink. Like when you're about to lose a roof over your head, life looks a little bit differently. You start to figure out ways to just make it happen. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And uh, I'm excited about having yet another veteran organization on here. But for those of you who want to press that 15 second button and fast forward through the intro, I'm going to encourage you to stop for just a second. There's different types of nonprofits that exist out there in the marketplace. And just because they're nonprofit doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a business. I think that there's a common misconception, especially in the VSO world, where veterans, we hear the messages, we hear the core values presented, and we want to get behind an organization. But quite frankly, when it comes to the execution, it leaves a little bit to be desired. And here at Knucklehead, we work with a lot of different people. And so you hear a lot of names being thrown out. And so that's why we don't have just every nonprofit on the show. We don't have every business on the show. We want to have folks that have gone through a quasi vetting process, similarly to the way that you would make a decision. So you, the listener, we want you to be able to leave this episode with some value of how to evaluate a nonprofit, how to be able to sniff out kind of some BS that somebody may be selling you, and maybe some questions to ask somebody who's approaching you about where your donation dollars are going or that type of thing. So I'm excited about having Adrian Phillips from Savvy, which leave it to the military to you know train us how to do acronyms. It's a very creative way. And I'm going to butcher it. So I'm going to let her explain to you exactly what all of that is. <laughs> and I'm excited about Adrian's time with us this morning. So Adrian, I appreciate you taking some time. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here and uh, looking forward to being able to share a little bit more about my story and what Savvy does. I appreciate that. So uh, Knucklehead, just to level set here real quick, Knucklehead is not You Did It Perfectly the First Time podcast. This is not uh, business casual. There's no suspense here. There's a back and forth between two folks who have some shared experiences uh, in the fact that we served in the military or, you know, we're familiar with folks who served in the military. And it's not necessarily even predicated on you having military experience. It's just maybe a respect for work ethic, a respect for process and knowing that you're going to screw up along the way. If you're a business leader out there in the marketplace, you understand that although you want to present like you have all the answers, the odds are either you just uncovered the answer or you've gone through the situation so often that you just want to train somebody along the way so you could tell them what landmines to avoid, all the things that they could just move past if they could just pay attention to you really closely and listen to the things that you've screwed up maybe you can save them some time and frustration as opposed to hearing about what you did awesome all the time. Adrian, you understand what I mean there when I say that there's, there's this, this tendency to want to lean towards what you do awesome as opposed to what you've screwed up along the way? Well, not only that, but we live in an age where social media glamorizes entrepreneurship. And uh, granted, entrepreneurship has been one of the most rewarding things I have ever done, whether in a for-profit or nonprofit capacity. But there's some real work behind the scenes that takes place. There's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of discipline that's required. You know, all of these topics and themes that we are no stranger to as veterans, as military members, we very much know what that looks like. So now taking that skill, taking that same structure and applying it into a business environment is really the only way that you're going to be able to succeed in a long-term perspective. You just hit the nail right on the head and you hovered over it and then you hit it. So I, I love that you come from an experience 
of having planned for your desired mm-hmm. outcome mm-hmm. and then having executed that plan. And then when that plan met the, what we call, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy, right? So once mm-hmm. you've executed that plan and you realize there's some resistance that you run into, you've made an iteration. Can you walk me through here just real quick? And I don't know what your business was. I'd love to hear some more context around what that business was. But do you remember that feeling when you had this well-articulated, very crafted plan and you ran into some resistance? What did you feel that first time you ran into that? Oh, crap, this, this didn't work out exactly the way I thought it was going to. Well, I will tell you that as much as I would love to say that my first attempt at this was very well crafted, <laughs> that was far from the case. Uh, my, my first business was very much born out of necessity. And I'm sure we'll get more into that in a bit here. But it, it was really just kind of a, that whole concept of building the plane in mid-flight. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no plan. I had no formal education. I was just like, hey, here's this thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to take a stab at it. And, um, that was really that experience of trying to figure it out was really the catalyst that made me commit to the next time I do it, I'm going to do it right. And when I did it right, it was completely night and day, the outcome, the ease of, and let me just say the ease of process, certainly not the ease of managing a business, but the ease of process for me to be able to really focus on the foundation, to be able to focus on making sure that I had the right people, the right process, the right resources, the right support mechanism. So that when I took that next step forward, knowing that there was going to be a learning curve, knowing that there was going to be trials and tribulations, I was more focused on making sure that the back end and that the people that were around me were solid so that we could overcome those obstacles together and know that I was going to make it out the other side. So it took the disaster in order to be able to get to the well-oiled, well-thought-out strategic process of launching a business. I appreciate you talking about building the plane as you're flying it. I've heard that phrase quite a bit. I've used it myself. However, think about that, that just figuratively. If you're in flight and you're essentially hoping that this survive this survives <laughs> in a very dynamic environment where you know you're mm-hmm. getting tossed to and fro you got gusts wind gusts and elevation and then you got other mm-hmm. obstacles that are out there trying to prevent you from making it happen then you've got competition trying to throw you off your game and right. you got life circumstances all of these factors that end up influencing the outcome of your project here it's extremely frustrating whenever you're inundated with messages and flooded all the time, either on social media or through literature or even observing other folks who've been out there experiencing some success. Mm -hmm. There's very few examples of failure where the failure actually led you to the success that you're looking for, unless somebody was deliberate with examining where their screw ups were. And so when I say screw up, some people get upset. They think, oh, well, there's no such thing as a failure or a mistake or a screw up. And 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 I understand that thought process. But when it comes to the context of the mistake, Mm -hmm. we're choosing to pull apart the thing that didn't work so you could not repeat that same mistake again. Or you could extract the lesson and apply that lesson to a new organization altogether to make that organization more successful. So it's it's either a personal growth opportunity or a professional growth opportunity. It just depends Mm -hmm. on your perspective. Would you agree with that or would you disagree that that's that's not the right way to look at a mistake? No, so I I definitely agree with it. And and I completely see what you're saying in the sense that it was a failure in in the point of you had an attended outcome at a certain point and you failed at that point. Now that doesn't mean that you failed 
failed at the big picture. You just failed at that specific. If you said, I'm going to launch this business and make a million dollars by next month, you may have failed at that specific objective. Now, I think the problem is that a lot of us don't look at business as a long-term game, right? We look at it as a very specific point A to point B. Now, granted, some people come into business with the the objective of I'm going to sell my business and that's the that's the outcome that I'm looking for. Great. You have an intended outcome. You know exactly what it is that you're aiming for. So that's perfect. But for many of us, we're really looking to pursue a passion. We're looking to, to make the world different with our product, with our service, with whatever it is. That to me is a long-term game. But unfortunately, we don't have that perspective when we go into it. Why? Because we're getting our advice. We're getting our quote unquote solutions from people that are charged us for it and that have very specific agendas in terms of how they want us to move around using their product or service for their intended outcome. So this is, I tell people, listen, you have to get a mentor. Now, granted, that mentor may charge you. Sure, that's fine. You're paying for their time. But the mentor is there to support you as a person from an overall perspective. They're not trying to get you into a specific funnel for a specific product or service. They're there to support you as a business leader, as somebody that's going to go through phases of development and growing their company, that's the type of individual or individuals that you need around you. And the more that you can diversify that perspective, the better. Get people around you that don't agree with you. Get people around you that have done it, failed and done it again and failed and maybe hopefully got some success along the way. You have to diversify where you get your advice from. Otherwise, you're going to be very, very limited in how you look at things, which is ultimately going to lead you down a very limited path, if you will. And that could be good or bad, depending on what type of resilience you have and what type of expectation you know, you've set for yourself. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason, so do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts, we're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do, we've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You wanna bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I how do I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's somebody we've had on the podcast before. I think it was episode 70, something like that. It was uh, Max Eltschiller over at Outreach.io. And he talks about if you look at the successful 
businesses who've gone through the VC model, right? Where mm-hmm. they, you know, they measure success and losing money and mm-hmm. the less money they lose, the more successful they are. But once they get to a profitable standpoint, it's almost as if they don't operate under the same ways that they did whenever they were losing money, right? It's, right. it's, it's a most bizarre, I've, I've heard other entrepreneurs who we've also had on the podcast describe it as using funny money to go and grow your business as opposed yeah, to, right. as opposed to, to sitting in the awkwardness and that visceral gut reaction of, of mm-hmm. screwing up when dollars and cents are literally flying out of your bank account, your Mm -hmm. bank account, because you've Mm -hmm. earned it as opposed to somebody else's kind of controlled experiment, which is kind of what, what VC or bank money is. And it's bizarre, the difference between the two and the shift in mindset necessary for that business owner Mm -hmm. to operate differently. And so to be specific here, I wanted to get your perspective given the fact that you're a nonprofit and the, and the mm-hmm. standing that you are, it's mm-hmm. taken some time for Savvy to differentiate itself than the other nonprofits that are out there that maybe specialize in fundraising, but not necessarily mm-hmm. in executing. And I'm curious, you know, given that there's two different environments that some businesses operate in, how do you look at nonprofits and, and recognize which phase they're operating in? I'm, I'm curious. So first and foremost, let me say that I started Savvy with the intention of being a collaborative organization. So that's first and foremost. It wasn't a matter of comparison. It wasn't a matter of competition. It wasn't a matter of what's the latest trend on the blog. What is everybody else doing? That was not the goal of Savvy. Savvy was established because we identified a very, very specific gap in the marketplace. And that's exactly what I wanted to tackle. I spent about seven to eight months just in strategy and development before it was even formalized as a business and much less even go public. There was even still a period of time in which we didn't go public. So it was and during that seven to eight month period, it was calls, it was market research, it was surveys, it was feedback, it was, you know, putting it all together. So I knew that if I was going to do this, that it had to be in the same perspective of a business because a nonprofit is still a business. Nonprofit is a tax exemption. It does not mean that you are not a business. You still need to approach it very much like a business, except a lot more creatively because guess what? There is no VC money. There is no startup capital for nonprofits. There is no bank loan that you're going to get to be able to launch this venture. It's something that you have to completely bootstrap. Now, when you start looking at the, the just the nature of relationships, the nature of networking, and you start realizing the true value of people, you remove the element of needing funds because you realize that people are the ones that have the skills, right? People are the ones that are going to show up and make it happen. So similar to being in the military, listen, if you're on a deployment, you're not going to survive by yourself, right? It's the same thing. If you're in business, you're not going to survive if you're by yourself. And Savvy needed support. Savvy needed buy-in, not just because of what we were doing as a nonprofit organization, but because I knew that there was going to be a lot of storms that we were going to have to weather. Now, we have the very, very fortunate, um, you know, aspect of being a nonprofit. So therefore we can take on volunteers In absence of having funds as a transactional currency, how else can we operate as a business? And that was the fundamental question that I was looking to answer. Now, granted, have we spent money as a nonprofit organization? Absolutely. But I came into this fully prepared to fund it, fully prepared and knowing that having a business costs money, nonprofit is no different 
right? Whether it's just getting the legal structure of it set up, whether it's, you know, equipment, whether it's, you know, uh, software, whatever it is that you need to operate, that takes money. And although we would love to have discounts and all of that, things for free, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. You can't completely stop operations when it doesn't. So we went through a process of completely leaning out. And guess what? Besides one person, we are a volunteer organization. We operate by the kindness and contribution of the individuals that are within our organization, that see the vision, that see the need for what we do. You know, and, and especially right now in the middle of a pandemic, you have to get creative. You know, I, I see so many of our partners, unfortunately, that are currently having to close their doors programmatically. Some of them are shutting down completely and they have amazing causes, amazing programs, and they can no longer operate because there's been a huge impact now economically. So you have to be able to get creative. You have to be able to set yourself up for long-term success and not just do what's the latest trend, what, you know, what everybody else is doing. You can spend your life focusing on what everybody else is doing, or you can just make things happen because you know that they need to happen in that way. So that was really my focus. That brings me to my next question, Adrian, because I think you just covered over a sentiment that gets shared. You can't really die. It's almost as if it's it's immeasurable. Although the, the book that I'm reading right now, How to Measure Anything by Douglas Hubbard would disagree <laughs> with that notion that you can't measure anything. You can use small data sets to potentially draw conclusions against things that are intangibles within your business, but you sure can. It was suggested to me uh, by somebody else who we've had on the podcast, Trace Johannesson. He's a good friend of mine, also prior Marine. But I'm interested in like when you look back at Adrian as a young woman, how did you drill into focusing that passion, that energy, that purpose? What was it about entrepreneurship or what was it about business ownership or being in control or leading an organization? What was it about your makeup that made you that way? Have you examined kind of what that makeup was? You know, I always say wherever there's challenge, there's always opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I decided to join the military at 17. And so that right there was already an introduction to doing something that was different. Uh, most people at 17 are not really considering joining the military. And I actually spent my entire senior year of high school in the delayed entry program. So I, I knew even back then that I like to challenge the norm. I like to challenge what the perspective of me as an individual was what people thought my capacity for certain things were. Um, my friends, family, they can attest, they didn't think I was going to join the military up until like an entire year, my entire year, year of uh, last year of high school, again, going to monthly meetings. And the day before I was going to leave, people still didn't think I was going to do it. So that was really the starting point of challenging what people just kind of deemed as normal or deemed as acceptable and just doing things a little bit differently. And of course, through my experiences in the military and all of that, my transition out of the military was really um, an eye-opening experience, you know, being on the brink of homelessness, despite doing everything the way that I was told, that was the first kind of introduction that I had to, I guess, what would be deemed entrepreneurship. I started commission-based positions, had no idea what being in business for myself was. Again, Again, born out of necessity, right? I couldn't find a job. And this was right before the recession in 2008. I was getting off into active duty. So again, these 
situations were really more of like, I didn't go seeking these things. It was just more so the circumstances that allowed um, the opportunity for me to be challenged. And I stepped up, right? Fight or flight. Like, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to sink. <laughs> like when you're about to lose the roof over your head, life looks a little bit differently. You start to figure out ways to just make it happen. I remember that. And you helped me out here. I've heard that transition and that being on the brink of, you know, I mean, your back literally is up against the wall, which induces a reaction, the fight or flight. The logic would tell you, and it, it told me, because going through this, I, I had a sergeant major that sat down with me. For those of you who are listening who aren't Marines, an E-9 is, is the largest enlisted rank or the highest enlisted rank that you can earn uh, when you have the opportunity to, uh, to join the military, right? So to a certain extent, not everybody is able to make it to that rank. And those that do, not everybody's always able to go and, and be put in positions where they're in control of their own command. And when I say in command, they're supporting uh, the XO and the CO uh, in that capacity as the highest enlisted ranking soldier, Marine, airman in that particular uh, regiment, battalion, unit. And so the reason why I, I draw this conclusion to you is because I was told right before I got out of the military, and it was a suggestion. He said, why don't you, why don't you re-enlist? Why don't you just stick around for a little bit longer so you can look to kind of cauterize some of the wounds potentially? And he was just being very general in his advice. And, and he had, I guess, the perspective of my, this, this specific situation that I was in where I did not have a job getting out of the military, but it was also moving my, my pregnant wife from Okinawa back to the States. So I hadn't had very little network uh, set up to where I could go insert myself into some type of role or extract uh, that professional network. And his, his suggestion, it was merely a suggestion. And the way that my brain interpreted what he had to say was, I wasn't ready to hear your advice, Sergeant Major. So therefore, whatever advice you give to me, I'm going to do the exact opposite. And that was my ignorant, you know, almost immature decision-making process at the time. When I look back at it, I could have saved myself years and years of just flailing around simply just by taking his advice. Did you have a, a similar experience or did you, did you go through that thought process too after you examined that? I mean, you know, high side's always 2020, but did you ever look at your experience and examine it that way? Well, I, I looked at it in the perspective of, um, I actually prepared. I, I had six months. I did the transition assistance program. I did the resume writing. I did everything that I was told I was supposed to do, you know, and having years of following instructions with positive outcomes and then being in a scenario where you follow instructions and it leads to me still flailing and not knowing what in the world I'm doing. I, I was thoroughly confused. I was like, where did I go wrong? What checklist did I miss that made me end up in this situation kind of a thing? And not realizing that obviously the civilian sector is structured very differently. And it really is the land of opportunity, but the opportunities that you need to create for yourself. So I didn't understand the concept of a network. I didn't understand the concept of you know, it's who you know, and uh, diversifying who you speak to, you know, LinkedIn really wasn't a thing back then, you know, like, you don't get told these things. So I thought that if I did the resume writing, I had the right suit on, I applied for everything. I mean, literally everything, federal, state, I mean, again, commission based, like I was applying for everything. And because I had no desire to do any 
more of what I was doing when I was in the military, which was being a police officer. I wanted to do something else. To me, I was like, that's not a, exactly a transferable skill other than being like a security guard or something. And I even tried applying for that. Again, this was right before the recession in 2008. So I thought that I was doing what I was supposed to do, and it did not render the results that I thought it was going to render. When it comes to when it comes to the uh, that helpless feeling, right? So those of you who are listening, uh, we want to put yourself in a scenario where where you were where you didn't feel as if you had a choice. It's easy to examine the outcomes of your decisions and examine them and say, "Oh gosh, you should have done this instead," right? But when you're in the moment and you're you're being relied upon to go and produce, when you're you're hungry, there's no money in the bank account. I mean, I can remember a time, Adrian. I ran a business down in Austin with my wife and there was a period of time where we had no money. When I say no money, I mean, we didn't have any savings. We had no dollar amount in our bank account and we had thousands of dollars worth of bills that were due within a 72 hour time period. And now we, we also had invoices out that could have been paid, right? So as soon as the invoices are paid, then it offsets all the outgo happening at the time. But being able to try to keep it mentally together to go perform services when you're hours away from your family, not necessarily having a place to live if things don't just fall in line, it's difficult to keep your head about you. And so those of you who are listening, Adrian's talking about that, that time frame. I personally can relate to it. I've been there. It's a nauseating feeling given the fact that, to your point earlier, when you're given a, a set of tasks or a set of things and the outcomes actually end up working in your favor and it doesn't this time, it's a helpless type of feeling. So talk us through a little bit about how you, what you discovered about yourself when you reached down or what did you do? Like walk us through what happened whenever you made that change. Well, you know, it, it was really a point of uh, self-discovery and uh, looking at the fact, again, you know, hindsight, obviously, you're very limited in your perspective. You only know what you're feeling and you only know based on the, the experience that you had up until that point. So looking back at it, you know, now I know that the uh, average veteran takes about six years to transition out of the military. So to have an expectation that the day I became a veteran was the day that I was going to be transitioned was certainly not realistic. And again, when you're there, you certainly don't conceptualize it in that way. Um, you know, you no longer have the rank on your arm that would uh, distinguish you and say exactly what level of respect, so to speak, that you deserved. Um, you're now kind of a, a very small fish in a big pond. And uh, although there are very attractive opportunities, you're trying to really figure out which opportunity is going to be the best for you. You want to be effective in your decision making. And uh, that process, you know, being in the military, obviously, nobody really asks you like, hey, what is it that you want to do with the rest of your life, right? It's like, it's very mission oriented, and you know exactly what the mission is and what the expectation is. So going through that process, I knew that I had to take a point, um, you know, maybe not immediately, but I had to take a point to really start asking myself those questions. Nobody else was going to ask me. So what is it that I want to do? What do I want life to look like? And I uh, very fortunately ended up getting my first opportunity 
to work with in a nonprofit serving the veteran and military community. So that put me right back into a service mindset that uh, quickly replaced my purpose in the sense of what I was doing in service. It felt like home, right? I'm still going on base. I'm still like I actually where I was was actually the military base where I separated from. So still being able to work um, in that installation, see people that I knew, it felt very familiar to me. So that quickly ended up becoming an area of comfort. And, um, you know, kind of moving forward, my commitment was now to make sure that I was uh, giving back and that I was making sure that other veterans experience, if I was working with them during the transition process, was certainly not going to be as scattered and hopefully as complex as mine was. Well, I mean, it sounds it sounds as if, too, even if even if even if it was you, you were in close proximity, you could literally lay eyes on them and say, right, I, I, I just I just came through that. I, I know exactly what you're I know exactly what you're about ready to experience. Isn't it difficult sometimes to you feel as if like as we've gotten older through the years, uh, you, you always look back at the younger generation and say, you know, I wish the younger generation would do whatever. And when you were the younger generation, you always hear the older generation say, say and you're <laughs> right. like, oh, those old folks, they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. What you do. Right. We're not going to, we're not going right. to, we're not going to listen to them. However, there's a significant amount of wisdom and relatability to what it is that you're talking about. There's less new factors into your decision-making process when you start right. being able to go back to the installation and see familiar faces and, mm-hmm. and, and use jargon and, and terminology and, and words mm-hmm. that make sense instead of create confusion. Right. And so, right. you know, have a, you have a, a, a different environment that you have to adapt to. I'm curious, Adrian. So through that process and through the healing that you, that you were able to experience, and I use the word healing in the context mm-hmm. of there's less uh, flailing in the wind now mm-hmm. that you've kind of developed a sense and of you now there's a common mission that you can share with the folks that you're right. providing services to. And your mission now is, is, is to pay it forward and, and to provide service. I'm curious, how did you take that next step and that iteration? And what did you learn about yourself through the self-discovery when you realized there was another level that you could go to after you, after you stabilized? Well, I've used this analogy often that um, giving back has certainly aided in my own recovery. And uh, there's levels to giving back. When I first started, I was obviously working for a nonprofit organization. So I was supporting somebody else's mission. So that was kind of phase one for me of really just kind of getting my feet on the ground, making sure that I knew as much as I needed to know so that I could be effective in the individuals that I was serving. Um, You know, these these are people's lives. These are their livelihoods their families, like this is a very important uh, mechanism of support that has existed for a while and for a very specific purpose. It's to give back and to support, you know, our military community. So I, I didn't take that lightly. So that was kind of my phase one. And then as my career continued, um, I started, you know, kind of moving up the ranks and started doing other things and still in the same kind of benefits capacity. But I started removing the external elements of working directly in the community. And I went, um, you know, internal, I, I became a federal employee. And so I started having a whole different level of comprehension as to how to put benefits together. And so now my purpose and my role became different, right? I had, a, it was certainly a sense of advocacy, but in a very different capacity, I wasn't working directly with veterans, but I was still influencing the decisions that were ultimately impacting the veterans that I was serving. And then I decided to launch my own company. And that 
that was kind of a point of self-discovery of like, let me go out and do something for me, you know, in a way that's not under duress. I'm not losing the roof over my head. I'm, I'm, I, you know, it was something that was going to be fun for me it was related to travel and something that I had done, you know, from a very young age. And of course, it completely expanded my horizons when I was in the military. So I ended up going on that venture, spent a lot of time, effort and money just trying to figure out the process of business. And then at that point was when I made a new commitment that if I was ever able to figure out the business thing, that I would use that business thing to be able to give back in a way that I felt was much more impactful. And so it's been a journey of challenge and growth and challenge and growth and then phasing up, if you will, gaining a certain level of knowledge, a certain level of experience, working on myself as an individual, making sure that my wounds are healed so that I have a tank to be able to give to others. And it's been a progression. So I've moved up in, in this form of a, you know, kind of formalized education. I moved up in the form of just life experience and business experience, and then taking all of that and then transferring it into now what Savvy is. So Savvy is really kind of the, the product, if you will, the fine, I won't say final because I still have hopefully a lot of life ahead of me, but it's been up into this point, the, the newest version of, again, time, experience, hardship, quote unquote, failure, challenge, tribulations, um, support, all of that. And it, it's like all been put now into this nice little pretty package that is, is called Savvy. So it, it's definitely been a journey line up into this point. So it's exciting to, to think of what what can be next? <laughs> no, I'm sure. And those and those that are that are listening that that would be interested in supporting uh, that particular cause, that journey, that that new veteran who's you know about ready to run smack dab into all the experiences that Adrian just talked about. That now could have Adrian uh, as that guide or, or Adrian's organization. I'm curious, how can people find out more? How can people support you? And how can people support Savvy? So first and foremost, our website, www.savvyvets.org. And that is S-A-V as in Victor, I-V-E-T-S. It always comes down to time, treasure, and talent. I love the three T's. Again, we are a volunteer organization with the exception of one person, but the majority of us, so 99.9% .9 of us are all volunteers. So we absolutely rely on the generous contribution of skilled individuals from across many industries, different backgrounds. But the community that we support is the actively transitioning community. So one year pre-separation to one year post-separation, um, about 90% of our program participants are still on active duty right now. They are all seeking new economic opportunities, whether it's in business, whether it's pursuing a new education, maybe they're looking for a new career or they're looking to retire. Those are the four categories that we focus on. So anybody that's looking to support in the sense of giving their time, their skills or energy to be able to give back to this amazing community, please contact us. Again, that was our website. You can send us an email, info at savvyvets.org or you can certainly give us a call 844-400-SAVVY. So pretty straightforward. Um, again, we, we are certainly so privileged and grateful for the amazing support that we've gotten from our committee, from our board of directors, um, each and every one of these individuals. I, I can't say enough of you know great things about them. We really wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So 
get involved. And if it's not with Savvy directly, look to support, you know, uh, another nonprofit. There's a lot of amazing organizations and causes right now that could really use your leadership, that could use your business sense, that could use, you know, your network and your connections to really help them move forward. What does Savvy stand for? You may have said it, but oh, I'm but sorry, I, I did not. It stands for the Strategic Alliance for Veteran Integration. Okay. All right. There you go. Yeah. So we are an alliance of uh, nonprofit of veteran services. We are here to essentially make sure that veterans get the benefits that they deserve, whether it's federal benefits from the Department of Veterans Affairs or whether it's local state benefits. There's um, over 600,000 different resources that are available to our veteran community. So it's a lot of noise to shift through and Savvy's job is to essentially make sense of all that noise and deliver that throughout a 12-month program. Program. So we take a very customized approach to transition. We make sure that there's an accountability process and that our veterans understand exactly what it is that they're eligible for. So there's a lot of great programs out there. And uh, again, um, you know, let us know if you're a partner, if you have an amazing program and you want to connect with the transitioning community, let us know. We would love to learn about what it is that you guys are doing. Well, fantastic. It sounds like, um, sounds like, for those of you who are listening, uh, you're going to be in a similar situation uh, than what I'm in right now, which is you want to be able to book another time to get with Adrian, because <laughs> there are things that we do as an organization that uh, uh, that speak to the heart of, of that particular mission. And we want to help. If you find yourself in that scenario, my suggestion is to don't be a beta about the process. Get some wins. Right. So simply follow the steps that Adrian just outlined for you. I mean, we spent the last 30, 35 minutes here talking specifically about her journey, but you, the listener, you have a, a similar scenario or, you know, somebody who could potentially go through that self-discovery process that Adrian just talked about. And maybe they want to hitch their wagon, uh, so to speak, in a volunteer capacity in an organization like Savvy to go and, and find their cause, find their mission, find their purpose or support somebody else's. So that's my encouragement. Go out there and, and connect with, uh, with Adrian. So Adrian, with that said, Anything else that you want to leave these folks with? We're going to be essentially wrapped here right after this, but I'm curious, anything else that you want to leave these folks with? Any saved rounds, so to speak? I do. I, I just wanted to say one last thing. Um, you know, as a leader, as a business owner, don't underestimate the value of giving back. Um, it does not only feed your soul, but it does amazing things for your network. It does amazing things for your growth. Um, you know, as a leader, as an individual, as a community representative, representative. Uh, people want to do business with good people. And so don't just do it for that reason. But again, know that when you are getting involved in philanthropy, when you're giving of your time, the universe, whatever you want to call it, definitely gives it back tenfold. So, um, you know, take that. And, and especially now, like I said, it's really a, a time of collaboration. It's a time to get creative. It's a time to really just join your resources and, and look at the way that we transact and work with one another outside of the scope of just financially. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, challenge accepted. Those of you who are listening to, to Adrian, uh, go out there and do that. So my encouragement to you is to get in touch with her or find find a way to go and, and give some of your time. And if you don't have any, maybe change what you have been doing and you might be pleased with the outcome, so to speak. So Adrian, we appreciate you. For those of you like listening, go ahead. Every Tuesday, we got new episodes coming at you. So with that, have a good rest of the day, gentlemen and ladies, and we'll see you. Adrian, we are done. Have a good rest of the day, okay? Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye-bye.